Hi, and welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast, where we talk all things narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Brandy Fuller Anderson. I am a counselor, recovery coach, author on narcissistic abuse, advocate, and survivor. If you're going to tune in, just know that oftentimes when telling my personal stories or making references, you'll hear me refer to the narcissist as a he. This just associates better with my personal experience and helps me to stay consistent, but you're free to insert whatever pronoun feels most fitting for you, because narcissists can be both men and women, straight or gay, married or single, rich or poor. They come from all walks of life, just like the rest of us. There's not one narc mold that they need to fit into, so just know this when listening to the show. And if you have any questions about what I mean when I say narcissist, you can go back and visit episode one for a detailed explanation. Also, be sure to follow the podcast to have episodes automatically added for you to listen to as they come out, and so you never miss the bonus episodes that come out. And if you have friends or family who are struggling with narcissistic abuse, or who are just willing to learn about and understand your experience, share the show with them. Spreading awareness and understanding is so important. And if you've found the information on this show to be at all helpful, go and leave a review for the show. It helps us to get out there and better show up in search results, and that gets the recovery information out there more to people who need it the most and increases the spread of awareness and increases the knowledge of some of the great charities that are helping to take these matters seriously and helping to free those trapped in this vicious cycle. There's a link on this episode to allow anyone who can to donate to these great programs, so stay tuned to the end of the show to hear a story about a survivor that was recently relocated out of an abusive situation by one of these great programs. And if you're not in a place where you have time or money to help out, that's okay too. Because most of us have the time and the resources to go on and leave a five-star review of the podcast, which in turn helps out those in need. Everyone listening, they may be in different places in their recovering process, and everyone heals at their own pace. But if you feel there's any useful information or encouragement in this or any episode, help get the word out there to others who are looking for answers and support and a way to just move forward. Remember how lost you felt in the very beginning of this. A lot of times... All we have is each other, and our support matters. So, I had a very special interview planned for this week's episode, but due to the wave of flu that hit the local area here pretty hard, that interview had to be postponed, so you can expect that one on next week's episode, and it'll be a great show, and very informative for those of you who have also experienced more physical violence in your relationships. I know a lot of times we really cover what narcissists are famous for, which is that invisible type of abuse and the more emotional abuse, but but I don't want to not give credit to or not give notice to those who also are suffering the more physical violence as well in their relationships. So it'll be a very informative show um, and we have a really great guest. My normal bonus red flag episodes when they come out come out on Mondays and they're full of things that it took me way too long to consider as unhealthy in my relationship. In all fairness though, many of them took me a very long time to find out that they were even happening because let's face it, you don't go into relationships with the understanding that your partner may be completely fake or may even be out to get you. The things that occur are beyond anything that we've seen, even in the scariest of movies at times, and are certainly not what we were taught that this dating game would be like. 
How could I have been prepared for these behaviors? How could you? My hope for the future is that these things will now be the things that cross my boundaries in a way that alert me to the need to escape them and run from that new relationship. During the recovery process, while you educate yourself on the inner workings of the narcissist, while you understand how the dynamics that were confusing in your relationship were actually the result of your partner's disorder, while you accept that you were not to blame for everything you were blamed for, and when you gain the full acceptance that your situation will not change unless you remove yourself from it, be in the process of building strong boundaries. The healing process involves a lot of rebuilding of your identity, your self-worth, and your boundaries. Always be considering what your future boundaries will look like and think about why you've built them and why you deserve them to be respected. This is a lifelong journey for those of us who have had weak boundaries in the past. But if you are constantly building them, constantly aware of them, and constantly vigilant to anyone trying to disrespect them, then you'll be on the lookout for all red flags. These events that you can now see might have developed into something more serious in your courtship. Something that now clearly can be seen for what it is. A blatant attempt to fool you into accepting behavior that you don't deserve. At the end of this process, you will be stronger and wiser than you can ever imagine. And should any warning signs occur again, your insides will scream to you that this does not feel right and should not be allowed to continue. And you'll listen. Keep on this healing path. This is where you're headed. Okay, so today I want to discuss just one relationship experience that likely slapped you in the face a few times before you even recognized what it was. One very huge one that plays out in many different ways. And it is, you're the scapegoat. You are the scapegoat for everything. There are so many ways in which the narcissist plans for you to be the scapegoat, ensures that you accurately fit the part of his trusty scapegoat, and follows up his lies with triangulations, projections, blame shifting, covert tactics, word salads, and anything else he can practice that will leave you sitting in the spotlight as his carefully crafted, showcased, guilt-ridden scapegoat. Honestly, there are so many ways in which you become the scapegoat during your relationship with the narc. I don't know if I can address them all here, so I'm going to do my best to cover a few angles. You guys know the drill, right? You're to blame for everything. It's always your fault. But what you will never know is exactly how many other people have been told stories about you and what they've been told. Your narc partner isn't just letting you know that you're to blame for all of their problems. They're letting the world know just how you are the one responsible for all of their bad behaviors and all of their problems. And all of the reasons why the rest of the world should have an issue with you, should keep their distance from you, and should pity the narc for having to put up with you. You will find out about some of these, and seeking answers will feel like it just might drive you mad. But there will never be a way for you to fully know what kind of smear campaign has been run behind your back. 
which starts out with you being the scapegoat for all of the issues surrounding the narcissist. Here are a few of the ways in which the narcissist perfects the ruse of his scapegoating. Have you ever had access to your partner's text messages? Are they carefully locked up or deleted? Maybe some conversations are left there, but ones to certain people have been deleted? Or does your narc partner just not even care what you find out? Or have you always been too afraid to even look? Maybe something doesn't feel right, but you know you likely couldn't handle knowing what you might find out. Text messages are such a simple way for the narcissist to send out lies about you without having to back it up with any physical proof or without having to explain why he isn't treating you any specific way when people see you together. Maybe your partner just isn't getting as much attention as he would like today. Drama is a great source of attention, and pity works well too. So maybe they send a text to their friend telling them all about how you've been fighting all day, and how you're threatening to leave them, and how they are just distraught over it. Maybe none of this is true but it still elicits the pity that they're looking for. They love to be the victim. And whoever's on the receiving end of the text certainly has no clue that there's no fighting actually going on in your home. It's easy. Maybe your partner was cheating on you and is now considering the fact that your friend Mary might have seen him out to dinner with this other woman. So maybe he picks up the phone and starts to send a message to Mary's husband to lay the foundation for a great defense. Maybe he tells Mary's husband that you two are separated because he found you cheating on him and he's just heartbroken over it, but trying to move forward. And then he mentions that he had dinner with his sister to cheer himself up. This story is just believable enough and lying comes so naturally to the narcissist. So his hopes are that Mary's husband tells Mary what he heard then Mary assumes it true. Why wouldn't she? And she wonders why you haven't mentioned it. But she certainly doesn't want to be the first to bring it up. And he was just having dinner with his sister, so there's nothing to tell there, right? It always just fits together and is believable enough. Now, sure, could he have just sent a message stating that he had dinner with his sister? Absolutely. But remember... Narcs don't like to feel guilt over their actions either. They must make sense of them and maintain their self-esteem by projecting them onto you. So they have to send a message stating that it is you that is cheating. There's no other reason for them to make such things up. This fact isn't even necessary for the defense. But it is important to them. They need to address the fact that cheating has occurred and they must blame someone other than themselves. Hence, you are a cheater. And really, if you had a dollar for every time your narc partner likely texts someone and told them your relationship was over, or was a scam, or that they had never been happy, you would never have to work again. Remember, without object constancy, narcissists cannot maintain positive feelings for you or any memory of positive feelings for you once you've caused them to feel some sort of shame. And keep in mind, 
when they do something shameful, they will still convince themselves that it is you who caused them the shame. You can't win. So whenever they begin to feel shamed by you, and therefore disgusted with the relationship with you, they no longer remember the good times, your positive qualities, or why they were even with you in the first place. And they likely message friends as a way of blowing off steam from these feelings. They probably have many friends who wonder why the narc is even putting up with you, since you clearly make them unhappy so much of the time, or since things have really never been good between the two of you. Have you ever wondered how your narc partner intends to keep up appearances when those same friends see you two together and they notice that you don't seem to be as miserable as your mate made you out to be? Or that he doesn't seem to be as disgusted with you as he claims to be? Let me give you an example of how narcissists are able to prove their claims without you being the wiser. Let's say you're getting ready to attend a party with your partner's co-workers or acquaintances. It's been a nice day, pretty uneventful. You picked out a new outfit and you did your hair. Maybe your partner even doted over how great you looked. Maybe even made a few loaded compliments about how you're all getting sexied up and other guys at the party are gonna want you. He doesn't really believe this because he knows exactly what he's about to do. You get in the car and start to head over to the party and the conversation takes a turn. You don't know what it's about and you don't know how or why it started, but you are now in an argument with the narcissist. He basically tells you that you don't know which way is up, that you suck, that you don't do things right, that you make him feel like shit for no reason, that none of his friends like you and for good reason that you're an embarrassment, that you're worthless. He wishes you weren't going to the party with him. You're ruining this event for him. You ruin everything. Let that soak in. Where did that come from? How did you let him down again? You feel beaten down. You feel unloved and confused. You feel emotionally exhausted. You feel lost. You start to second guess yourself. What did you do to cause this? How did you let this conversation get so far out of control? How is it you that ruins every event he takes you to? Why don't any of his friends like you? And then you pull up to the party and your narc partner jumps out of the vehicle and bounces happily right into the party. High fives all around. And what do you do? You drag your weak and battered soul sluggishly out of the car. You wipe the tears, take a deep breath, and try to paint a forged smile on your wet, pale face. You sneak silently into the event and hide yourself in the corner looking around, feeling too broken and useless to smile through a conversation. Not feeling surprised at all that nobody seems interested in talking to you, as you've been told they don't like you. 
You exist in the shadows as you die inside. Watching how happy your narcissist is and how unbothered by the fight your narcissist is. It must be you, right? My husband did this a lot. And while I was battered and cast to the sidelines, people were asking, what's wrong with your wife? She's such a bitch. And he would say, isn't she miserable? She can't even go somewhere and have fun. And she doesn't want me to have fun either. She doesn't like any of my friends and doesn't want to talk to any of you. She just wants me to never have fun. That was his game. And here's what those so-called friends could gather from that experience. That they didn't want to talk to me. I was clearly no fun. That he was such a great guy that he could ignore my bad behavior and still be so much fun to be around. That I was so lucky that he was still putting up with me. That they didn't care what I had to say because he was the good guy and I was the bad guy and I clearly wasn't friend material. That his story was right and mine was irrelevant. This is what they could gather from every event we attended together. He successfully pretended to be this great guy at the sacrifice of me. He easily separated me from any support system and he easily told a believable story that gained him the attention and pity that he loved. And he made sure that my story would never be considered. When that discard phase finally came, that nobody would even reach out to me or listen to me or any of the terrible stories that I had to tell about him because they were easily convinced to take sides without even knowing that they were doing so. He triangulated me with any and all others so that I could be an easy scapegoat for any poor behavior on his part and so I could never tell a different story to people and be believed. He made sure nobody liked me he made sure nobody believed me. He made sure nobody cared about me. He made sure nobody would ever doubt his character based on something I could tell them. He started building his harem of flying monkeys early on. And these abusive attempts to get a reaction from me weren't just for in-person parties either. He was constantly aware of the screen for his persona. He would start raging fights with me, calling me names, breaking my things, twisting any facts that he'd heard about me from the past, admitting to everything I knew he had done, like, yes, I took all your pain medication from you. I had to, it's the only way I can deal with how miserable you are. Yes, I cheated on you. How could I not? You've let yourself go and you're disgusting. Yes, I did scratch your car and lie about it. You bet. If you weren't such a raging bitch all the time, maybe I could talk to you about things. When they want you to react to their bad behavior, they know exactly how to do it. And it usually involves more truth than you're prepared to sit with in that moment. They spit it out there and they wait. No matter how calm you try to approach this conversation, 
no matter how you try to stop and process what you're being told, no matter how many times you try to simply walk away from it, you won't be able to. You will finally be provoked enough to respond to the abuse he is spewing in your direction. It's justified based on what he's been saying to you. But to anyone catching only part of this conversation, you appear to have come undone. This is his plan all along. It's called reactive abuse. So while I would be responding to his statements and finally putting my foot down with all of the bullshit he was forcing me to absorb, he would pick up the phone and call a family member and then explain to them he was sick of listening to my abuse and how he just wanted to leave and be away from me and I wouldn't let him go. And they would hear my reaction in the background. They would hear me screaming while he spoke calmly. They would hear me coming unhinged. They would hear me being seemingly abusive. By now you know just how easily the narcissist projects all of their problems and negative traits onto you. But it just isn't enough for them to feel like they have convinced you that you're the one with all of their negative traits or problems. They want to convince others that it's you as well, as a layer of support. Someone who will be there for them when they want to complain about you and how those problems make them feel. When they want to be sure that you will never be able to start telling people that it was their issue all along. Who would believe you after all this time? When I caught my husband cheating and found out some of the disgusting, deviant behaviors that he'd been hiding from me for who knows how long, I couldn't let it go. I felt so dirty at the thought of touching him again. I felt so disappointed in him as a person. I felt so betrayed as a spouse. I felt so sad for him to have these unexplainable issues. I have no doubts that my husband could see this sadness, this disappointment in my eyes and through my behaviors. And this only increased the shame that he felt, which he isn't prepared to sit with. He must get rid of shame and fast. So in true narc fashion, he quickly tried to blame shift it right over to me. It was my fault for expecting a faithful partner, that it isn't something that even exists any longer. Or it was my fault for refusing to give him oral sex each and every time he requested it. Or it was my fault for letting myself gain that extra weight when carrying our child. And by the way, this is also what he saw as his opportunity to seal this debate with jabs like, the baby you wanted. I didn't tell you to get pregnant. I never wanted kids. I never wanted you to get fat. I'm not attracted to pregnant women. This is on you. But by this time, this blame shifting wasn't so easy for him. I wasn't having it. Even if I felt his guilt internally, I wasn't letting on. I wasn't giving him that satisfaction. 
Absolutely not, I would say. You're a piece of shit cheater and there's no excuse. I never missed a beat to inform him that I wasn't falling for his ignorant excuses and cheating was not okay with me and that I was not damaged and it was not my fault. It felt strength building to me in the moment, even if I was actually internalizing all of the things he was telling me was wrong with me. But without accepting that blame from him, he needed to ensure that it was out there in the universe that I was the damaged one and not him. I was the one who should feel shame, not him. So he would message friends, call family members, have heart-to-hearts with co-workers, just to let them all know how damaged I was. He would tell them how unhappy he was with our sex life and explain how I was refusing to try new things, was not adventurous, and couldn't keep him satisfied in the bedroom. He would make himself out to be the doting husband who desperately was trying to add passion to our relationship, but suffering at the lack of intimacy and excitement that I was allowing. This would publicly allow him to present the case that it was me causing problems in our marriage with regards to sex. And privately, would allow him to justify to himself that he has every reason in the world to cheat on me, even if he made those reasons up. And why would anyone reach out to me to verify his story? How awkward would that be? Why would they assume someone would be lying about this? It's just believable, because why else would someone mention these things? A wife of one of my husband's friends even sent me a catalog for adult toys as an attempt to help my poor suffering husband out. I thought it so odd at the time, even that this person was reaching out and acting friendly to me, knowing how much he tried to separate me from those who knew him, and how often he had told me that none of his friends or their wives liked me. I never would have considered he was completely fabricating bullshit stories to tell them, just to cover his own feelings of shame. But he did it effortlessly and without any concern for me or my needs, and without any remorse. If he was invited to an outing and he didn't feel like attending, he needed a scapegoat for this. After all, he couldn't risk appearing as if he wasn't the always up for fun guy that he pretended to be. He couldn't risk alienating himself from the invite list or causing any doubt in the pseudo relationships he had developed. He needed a better excuse, so he would invent one. I wish I could come, he would say, but my wife won't let me. I just take so much abuse from her already, and my life is hell already, that I can't risk rocking the boat any further. I just don't want to fight anymore, and she never lets me do anything. Or sometimes it would be, my wife takes all the money and spends it, and she won't allow me access to any of it. I can't afford to go do anything. This was also a lie that he used to get others to buy him things or give him things. Just no dignity whatsoever. But again, who would question these lies? He had already done a fine job of segregating me from any of those people. So I certainly wasn't going to find out from them that he was saying such things about me. We certainly weren't comparing notes. It was an easy lie for him and may have been happening for years without me knowing. 
If you think your narc is above creating absolutely any lie that will seal the despise others feel for you, seal the doubt that others have for you, seal the silence others meet you with, he isn't. They will constantly work to surround you with dark clouds of suspicion, contempt, and doubt. This helps them when they're using you as a scapegoat because it ensures his stories remain believable. It ensures nobody will reach out to you for your story. And it ensures that nobody would believe you even if you tried to tell your side. My husband seemed to really enjoy the fact that other people didn't like me or badmouthed me. There is no level he wouldn't stoop to in order to keep up those appearances. If we were at a family function, my husband would stand close to me and whisper in my ear about how ugly his brother's baby was. And I would scrunch my face and shoo him away in disgust over how immature and obnoxious he was being. He would then go over to his brother or his wife and let them know how disgusted he was with me since I was across the room talking about how ugly their baby was. But he disagreed and thought their baby was beautiful. I'm sure he sold it well. I don't know what she's talking about. She must be jealous. Your baby's so cute. I can almost hear it in my head. His social workings are so disordered and disgustingly dishonest. And he just loved the idea of having people pissed off at me. If you can't imagine your partner doing such a thing, believe me when I tell you, I absolutely know how you feel. But there is no behavior that is beneath the narcissist, as long as he can do it in private. For as long as you are close by, for as long as you are there often, for as long as you are obliviously adoring and willing to ignore his foul behaviors, you are the scapegoat for so, so many of them. When the discard finally came, I was so hurt by the sheer number of people that rushed to his side and disregarded my story. It took me a while to fully grasp the idea that he had been planning this discard since the first day we met. That he had been padding his lies with additional lies since the very beginning. That he had been purposeful in making sure I had no support system to turn to when this all came crashing down. I wanted to shout from the rooftops. I wanted everyone around us to discover the deep, dark truths that I had discovered. I wanted him to be seen as the liar he was. I wanted someone to hear my story and tell me they were on my side. I wanted people to listen to me, to care about me, to understand what I was going through, and even to walk away from him in the wake of destruction he brings to the lives of everyone he encounters. Why did nobody believe me? What was wrong with me? How did I become the bad guy? Why did he have everyone and I had no one? I started my journal of all that I had been through and seriously, it helped me to discover that things were really as twisted and crazy as I had imagined they were. 
It laid all those lies out on paper and helped me to see that I was not wrong about the things that had been occurring both behind my back and right in front of my face. Some of it made me angry. Most of it hurt. But writing also helped me realize that all of those lies don't matter. All of those people don't matter. I don't care what they think. And what they think will have no bearing on whether or not I can heal and move forward. Their thoughts about me did not determine my worth. They were fools. So shallow in their connections with people that they couldn't even tell my husband spewed lie after lie to them about absolutely everything. They didn't know me. And they didn't know him. Proving my innocence did not matter. Who I was and what my future held was in my control. I was stronger and smarter than all of them. I saw the truth. I know the truth. I questioned the bullshit around me. I investigated stories that didn't make sense. I chose to break free. And I chose to live a life free from lies and secrets and confusion and shallow, one-sided relationships. I made the decision to build my own social circle. I walked away from all of it, all of the negative. My healing didn't rest in my ability to get the world to see his guilt and my innocence. My healing rested in my ability to move forward without any care about the stories he tells or the people who believe them. I was a threat to him because I could no longer be fooled. And why would I fill my life up with a bunch of fools? I saw through his bullshit. So why would I want to fill up my life with those who are blind to it? I could no longer be controlled because I decided my strength comes from within. And that strength, and nothing else, determines the momentum with which my life can continue moving forward. I wanted to reflect and make changes in my emotional stability, my financial security, or my relational boundaries so that I could become stronger, wiser, and healthier in relationships to come. I was better than him. I was better than all of them. I didn't care what they said about me or what they believed about me because none of it changed what I knew to be true about myself and I would never let anyone steal my reality again. Know your truth, but know that it doesn't matter if everyone else knows it or not. As always, you can find more support on Facebook or Instagram at I Believe Your Abuse. You can find support including resources for meetings, support groups, and professionals who specialize in narcissistic abuse if you visit IBelieveYourAbuse.com. This list is a work in progress and I'll be adding to this list as I locate information, so if you're aware of any therapists or support groups that should be on the list, just share them with us. You can also find a link to our shop. Did you know that I Believe Your Abuse raises funds nationwide to assist victims in relocation? healing and education services, and also to raise awareness not only for narcissistic abuse, but to help raise awareness in the criminal justice system with regards to emotional abuse. 
and you can support this cause by purchasing from our shop. So please go check it out. Think about it, guys. Just wearing gear with narcissistic terminology and facts blatantly on there makes them visible to the general public, puts the words into existence for them, allows them to consider what they see or read, perhaps offers insight into a relationship that they've been struggling with, and remains there, somewhere in the back of their minds in case something should occur later that requires that they access it and research it, understand it, be supportive of someone experiencing it, and so on. What a great way to start getting the word out there and spreading awareness. Every little thing we do helps. It helps support survivors. It helps warn potential next victims. And because the proceeds go directly towards working to offering rescue and services to survivors, it helps in the most important way possible. This is so great. This tiny little startup charity has already helped to relocate a victim and her two small children. Carrie was in a bad place and she was pulled to safety and she and her daughters, who are 8 and 11, left their home with only one packed bag. And they're currently being put up in a safe place and all three are receiving therapeutic supports to help them through this tough time. But this is a new charity and funds are very limited. So if you're in a good place right now and have the ability you can donate to this specific family or to any others. Along with monetary donations, they're accepting clothes, school supplies, new shoes, toys, gift cards for groceries, household items, hygiene items, clothes, furniture, and anything else that will help them get back on their feet and over this rough period in their life. Also, know that I believe your abuse accepts more than monetary donations. They're always in need of volunteers. So if you're a therapist or life coach experienced in narcissistic abuse and want to donate sessions each month, or if you're a creative and want to donate a design for the t-shirt shop for fundraising, or if you have any other ideas or talents that you feel would be helpful for this cause, reach out to someone on the website and see what you can do to help. I know the last family was relocated and offered assistance on starting a life free from abuse and the circumstances for that family involved the mother feeling very uncomfortable about sending her little one to school, and they actually had a teacher who had donated some time to homeschool with them so that he didn't fall behind in his education. How great is that? And once an attorney had donated some free in-depth consultations for parents to initiate the legal process from protecting their children from abusive parents or for navigating the divorce process in a safe way from an emotionally abusive partner. Just so many great things going on, but they need support, so if you are in a place to do so, please go over and check them out and support them. There's a link available on this podcast also that allows donations to go directly to benefit this cause. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about this cause. This touches me on a very profound level, and I'm very optimistic that we can, as a community, get to a place where the majority of people are aware of narcissistic abuse, where the justice system practices safety and fairness with regards to invisible abuses, and families are able to easily escape and find the supports they need to start over. Also, be sure to listen to any advertisers that we might have for the show and go over and support them as well, because any and all proceeds made from the show are donated to this great cause also. Feel free to send in comments, requests for specific topics to be addressed, or share your survivor stories. Just send an email to ibelieveyourabuse.com at gmail.com. Until next time, own your truth. Never stop telling your story.
I believe you.